Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's this week's message. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. This is the parable of the unforgiving servant. Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children, and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, afraid he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you from his heart, if from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. This is the word of God this morning. As you heard today's gospel, did you find it a little uncomfortable? That parable Jesus tells does not pack a dose of sweet comfort, but challenges us outrageously in a spot where we are most tender. The trouble that we have with forgiveness. The story has two scenes, first inside the throne room of a powerful king, and second just outside in a palace corridor. The story tells of two worlds, the world as we know it and the world as God wants it. The throne room starts out as the world as we know it. It's a world of calculation and control. The boss man is reviewing accounts and somebody A slave owes him a big time, a really big time amount. The slave gets called on the carpet. It's only a formality. There's no way this guy can pay back what he owes. It's a bad debt. Might as well sell the guy his house, his car, his boat, his wife, his kids, his family. Get a couple pennies on the dollar. This guy is ruined. Financially, he's as dead as a doornail. Everybody there in the throne room thinks his appearance is a mere formality. Everybody that is except him. Upon hearing the sentence imposed on him by the banker king, 
This guy drops to his knees, weeps and wails and cries out for mercy. He makes promises he knows he can never keep. It's a pathetic sight and it's so useless. This is, after all, a bottom line world. This king's guards are not soldiers in nice plumed hats holding lances. No, these are guys in suits holding calculators, the cold steel in their hearts. Do you know this world of calculation and control? Have you been there, filling in one role or another? Maybe you're there today. Well, in this story, Jesus tells something unexpected happens. Against the advice his accountants and lawyers would have given him, had he bothered to ask them, he goes with his guts and forgives the poor slob his astronomical debt. But what happens next to the guy in the story? The slave's not even outside the building when he runs into somebody who owes him something. There in the palace corridor, he grabs the fellow by the collar and tries, unsuccessfully, to literally shake the money out of him. The second debtor does his own song and dance routine pleading for mercy. You'd think it would be a no-brainer for the forgiveness uh, that the debtor just received to remember and forgive him. He would act accordingly in dealing with his debtor out there in the corridor. You'd think that mercy received would result in mercy given. But that doesn't happen. Instead, he has a strategically timed bout of amnesia. He refuses to show mercy. He fails to forgive his debtor. Instead, he's ready to boot him into the nearest prison for what will be an indefinite stay. Here we get to the heart of why forgiveness is hard. We suffer strategically timed amnesia. We conveniently forget, or maybe we've never even acknowledged, that we are forgiven sinners, debtors who have been let off the hook and have been given another chance, and another, and another. Christianity states that forgiveness is necessary. It is not an option, but an imperative. Christianity also makes it clear that forgiveness is hard. It is costly. There is nothing soft and sentimental about it. Today's gospel lesson clearly teaches the principle of mutual forgiveness. Jesus told the story of a king who had a slave who owed him 10,000 talents. This was an enormous sum, billions of dollars in today's money. The king who owed the slave, who owned the slave, had every right to punish his servant by selling him and his family and all his possessions. But the slave begged for mercy and forgiveness. Our text says, out of pity for him, mercy, compassion, the Lord of the slave released him and forgave him the debt. It does not take much imagination to figure out what Jesus is saying in our text. God is the king and we are the slave. We have failed miserably to be the king of people God wants us to be. We have sinned and erred and have fallen short of the mark. God's holiness and righteousness demand that we be perfect even as our heavenly father is perfect. But we are not. We are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. 
But for Jesus' sake and because of his death on the cross, God forgives us all our sins. Because of Jesus' blood, we are reckoned as righteous and accepted by God. So far, so good. God loves us, accepts us, and forgives us. But the parable goes on, and now the story becomes more uncomfortable. We are called to forgive others as we have been forgiven. The same slave who was forgiven his immense debt is confronted by another slave who owes him a hundred denarii, which amounts to just some dollars. The slave, too, pleads for mercy, pity, compassion. Pay what you owe is the response. This slave did not receive mercy, but was thrown into prison. It is no wonder that the king summoned his slave and pronounced him wicked. The king handed over the first slave to the torturer and repented of his mercy. Along with the good news of the gospel to sinners comes the harsh news that we are to respond to forgiveness by forgiving others. As we forgive others, we too are forgiven. When we refuse to forgive others, God will do the same to us. Jesus taught his disciples and us to pray for forgiveness as we have been forgiven. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. How many times do we forgive the sister or brother? Seventy times seven. Or an alternate reading which says seventy-seven times. That goes against our grain. We may be willing to forgive once or twice, but not over and over and over again. And even forgiving once may seem beyond us. Most of us would rather nurse our grudges and grievances rather than take the steps that lead to forgiveness and reconciliation. You don't have to teach someone to hold a grudge, but you have to teach someone to forgive. Real forgiveness goes beyond just words, but to the real reality behind it. We all need that second chance or that third or fifth or 77th. Abraham Lincoln once said that the best way to get rid of an enemy is to make a friend of him. How true that is. If you have someone from your past with whom you have never been able to resolve differences or express your feelings, now is a good time to start. There is nothing more cleansing than working through your feelings towards someone whose impact on your life is still felt. You do not need to carry on your conflicts forever. Healing the hurt inside can free a person. We are freed as we forgive and are forgiven. And we are called to forgive from the heart. It is only when we come to understand how gracious God is to forgive our sin that we can forgive our brother or sister. We can come to understand that punishment for wrongdoing is best left to the Lord. Revenge recompense, all these things we can let God take care of. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Or the first psalm, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We have God's promise to us that he will take care of the judgment. We do not need to judge the brother or sister. We can give our grievances, resentments, hurts, even those legitimate and sometimes terrible wrongs we have suffered 
we can give all those things to the Lord and ask God's power to come into our hearts and minds and transform us. Rid us of our grudges. Heal us of our pain. Forgive us our debts. We can ask God to forgive us and give us power to forgive others. Human forgiveness is possible only when we have really experienced God's forgiveness. We all need forgiveness, the second chance. Our sins are like scarlet, but they have been made white as snow. We have been washed in the blood of the Lamb and are cleansed by the suffering and death of Christ. We have been forgiven, and now we are asked to forgive one another from our heart. That's the parable. You must see how much you have been forgiven. We can stand around praying for the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, but we'll experience it when we learn to forgive, won't we? There are three stages in forgiveness. Stage one, suffering. Suffering creates a condition that brings the need for forgiveness. Somebody does something to hurt you, you suffer, you're offended, you're hurt. Second is surgery. This is the inner response where the forgiver performs spiritual surgery in his memory, just like God did who remembers our sins no more. Sure, you suffered and now you're going to do surgery and you're going to cut out of your mind all those things. And you do that by the power of God and the meditation of his forgiveness. Thirdly, starting over. Forgiveness is complete when alienated people are fully reconciled. Now, when you forgive, it doesn't mean that you necessarily forget. Our minds hang out on a long time, don't they? It doesn't mean that you excuse the sin or the wrong. It does mean that you end the cycle of pain and you restore the relationship. That's what our Lord is after. We're children in the family. We came in like children. We have to be cared for like children, protected like children, disciplined like children. And we need to forgive each other like children because we're all human. Forgiveness is a tremendous concept. Proverbs 19.11 says, It is a man's glory to pass over a transgression. In other words, if you want to see man at his best. He is at his best in his ability to forgive. In overlooking a transgression and forgetting a small sin or a sin and an evil. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 takes that thought even a step further for Christians and it says, we are to be forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. Let's pray. Father, make us a forgiving people who carry no grudges, let no wounds fester, but whose hearts are so filled with grace and mercy from the gracious, merciful Spirit who lives there that we have more than enough for all who offend us, so that we could forgive 490 times a day and never exhaust the heart of forgiveness, we who have been forgiven so much. Thank you for what you're going to do in our hearts through all all this day. In Jesus' name, amen.